better care of their maps. Am I right? Hey, man. Welcome back. Are you being me? <laughs> what episode is this? Like 60 or 68? 70. 70? Are we in the 70s? Yeah. We're getting old. What's the average lifespan of a podcast, do you think? I don't know. A million episodes? Yeah. Most podcasts I... We're going for a million. Oh, we are? Yeah. I'm down. We're never ending. <laughs> One of us will have to die before never this podcast stops. Podcast. In the end of time, we'll still be just making podcasts. Six seasons and a movie of the Cult Popcast. Yeah, you get it. 10,000 years of Cult Popcast, Stephen and Gabe, and we'll remember these humble beginnings. Like I said, we have, I think, six to ten followers, listeners. It's not about the quantity. <laughs> Those are exceptional people with good taste. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short, listener. Listeners. One listener. It's Alf. It's hey, Alf. What's up, Alf? <laughs> How was Conjuring 3? Uh, it was good. It wasn't great. I'm a big fan of 1 and 2. From that 1-2 punch came a cinematic universe that has been mostly not very good. One or two exceptions. Anyway, The Conjuring 3 just came out, and it was all right. It wasn't great. I don't know if it's supposed to be the end of the trilogy, more or less, but it definitely wasn't as special to me as the other two. Different kind of story, different direction, but Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga were, as usual, very good, and they sort of carry the movie. What are we talking about today? Yeah, moving on. <laughs> A little special on Netflix called Bo Burnham's Inside, mm-hmm. and it's what we're here to talk about today. As I switch <laughs> mental gears. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'd seen promotional material, but I think I was the first person to watch it of the two of us, and then I started gushing to you over text messages that this was a really incredible piece of art, or um, at least extremely meaningful. I was going to watch it. You just got there first. Yeah. I assume that everything that's been made, you'll eventually watch because of the way you consume content. I was uh, pleasantly surprised by it in the same way that When I saw that the Lonely Island guys just randomly put a special on Netflix a couple of years ago called The Bash Brothers Experience, I immediately pressed play. And this Bo Burnham special, as it played out, it was very reminiscent of how I felt about The Bash Brothers Experience because The Bash Brothers Experience for me was, I just thought it was genius. It was so random and obscure and hilarious. I just fell in love with that i watched it so many times it was always on Allie was always frustrated with me she you know it's really stupid it's stupid humor and i felt the same way about this netflix special with bo burnham not that it's stupid it's it's not stupid at all well i mean parts of it are maybe but it's very special there's something really special about it and it is uh, a special yeah <laughs> there's something very unique about this special that's a good word for it who is bo burnham why don't you take it away, senor? Well, born in a small town in Massachusetts in 1990, Bo has a lot in common with us, I think. I can't um, believe he's younger than me. Yeah. It always upsets me. <laughs> when he first started doing comedy, I remember someone telling me about him, and I, I watched him, and I was like, I can't watch him because he's smarter than me, and he's younger than me, and it upsets me. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Keep going. Well, where would we be without our betters, right? (laughs) But yeah, he grew up in kind of a sheltered middle-class white family. And so he found himself in 2006 with the beginnings of YouTube making videos as this kind of skinny white boy, tall and effeminate. And he had this new platform called YouTube where he started making videos and content is what we would call it today. That word has sort of completely lost its you know, any sense of meaning in the modern world, or at least the internet circles that I've found myself steeped in. 
over the last few years. But he started making comedy videos with music, writing his own songs, that sort of thing. And he pretty much blew up very, very quickly. And within a couple of years, he was already doing shows. And I think four years after that, in 2010, he had his first special it's called Words, 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 which did very well. And then 2013, Netflix picked him up for another special called What? And then he did another one in 2016 called Make Happy. And then he went dark for a little while. He talks openly about his anxiety, you know, circa 2013 to 2016 and how he was dealing with panic attacks on stage during those shows. And it affected him a lot to the point where he wanted to stop doing shows for a while. And so he did. He stepped away from the limelight and he made Eighth Grade, wrote and directed a film that did extremely well. I guess it's an indie film, right? Yeah. Kind of dominated a lot of those it was really good indie circuits and it carried with him a lot of that style that he had developed over the years which if i had to describe bo burnham's style <laughs> i actually i wrote this down cuz i it's not something i think i can succinctly describe he has this kind of sardonic cutting wit and cleverness that he will approach uh, all kinds of topics with you know a lot of his stuff has satire and social commentary a very broad sense of humor. So you'll find, you know, moments of like childish jokes, you know, like poop jokes, the sort of thing that we might laugh at. <laughs> but there's also some very keen and insightful observations in there as well. And an, an underpinning emotional intelligence that is well beyond his years, I would call it precocious. And you can see that from the very beginning of the stuff he was making. That's why I was jealous of him. Yeah. I think a lot of what led to that is probably like, reading. Yeah, I mean I mean he seems like the kind of person who has read a lot in his life. Yeah, that is for sure and I've watched stuff where that has shown through, but also I think he was bullied as a teenager for being that sort of like I said kind of lanky white like pasty dude, uh, you know, into theater and that sort of stuff performance. So a lot of his humor in his specials there it has this like self-depreciating tone and some of the stuff he does with satire and that sardonic wit is very edgy. It would seem at first glance like things he would be able to say in those 2013 shows that you probably really wouldn't want to do anymore, like <laughs> some of the word choice specifically and some of the themes. But but it's very clear how far he's grown in the last 10 years, both in the material that he's using and also his style. And even just between like his 2013 and 2016 specials, because I rewatched those getting ready for the new one. It's incredible how far he's gone, even in just the way he sings and his voice control and uh, just his vocal talent, even without the comedy, is very good. Bo, for me, has all the talent, and he also has this massive platform because his comedy has done extremely well. All that to say, it's been really awesome, and I feel like I've grown up with him in a lot of ways because when I first saw Bo 10 years ago, I was you know a teenager too. So I feel like I've grown up with Bo and all these people that are like Bo. And so when he made this last special, Inside, which is made directly as a result of the pandemic and all the thematic elements therein are because of what he was going through during that time. Yep. And he, he was saying, actually, in the beginning of 2020, he had begun to think about, even in January, getting back into doing shows because he felt, as he had said, that he had been away from the world for too long, that he had been sort of hiding away. So he was already mentally gearing up to do this. I think what happened was he decided in January 2020 to do another special. Yeah. And Netflix said, yeah, let's do it. And then the pandemic hit. And yeah. so the special that he created was this special, which essentially, because we haven't explained it yet, is himself 
inside of a room for the better part of maybe over a year. And uh, that's basically it in a nutshell, as far as the description. Yeah. But what happens inside that room for over a year while watching him, we will describe to you now. While watching him implode. (laughs) Mental health is like a a big part of this Mm -hmm. special. But I want to clarify, this isn't a comedy special. This is not like a comedy stand-up routine or show that you might be familiar with or even compared to Bo's previous work this is more like a piece of performance art right it has the bits that we're familiar with the musical songs and melodies that comprise the set list more or less of what this hour and a half special is but it is filled with these little inserts and asides to the audience throughout the show in between and even sometimes in the middle of bits where he's just kind of expressing to you his mental state at the time and the things he's going through in the midst of, you know, the coronavirus lockdown, which is, you know, stuff that we're all going through in our isolation, depending on how isolated you are, which it looked like Bo was much more isolated than even you or I were, at least inside of that room. And amidst cultural upheaval with yeah, all the, I guess you could call it racism awareness. Yeah, so the quarantine was just the surface level. And then Throughout the whole show, he goes into everything that's been happening yeah. during that time, which is, like you said, the first one would definitely be all the, the tense social stuff stuff going on. We've, we've talked about that a couple times in our podcast as much as we can as two other white dudes. <laughs> I mean, it's very prevalent in our culture. And it will be, hopefully, for a long time until America does something about it. But even moving outside of just stuff happening in 2020, there are songs and bits about social media. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite bit was the Welcome to the Internet song. It was very, very good. Yeah. And all kinds of stuff, just sort of analyzing and deconstructing the modern Yeah, very insightfully. Situation. <laughs> and concisely. With comedy. Healing the world with comedy. Yep, that's a quote from one of the songs. Yeah, and it's a lot of just his commentary on what's happening in the world intermixed with his personal life. And it's very random. Things happen, and then he jumps somewhere else, and then he jumps maybe back to that thing, and then introduces a new idea, and then plays with it, and then moves on to another song, and then back to something else. But it plays in a way that it's probably not actually random, you know, it was probably very thoughtfully planned by him as he was creating it. Because not only did he make the special, he he did it alone. So he shot it himself. He lit it himself with lighting. He wrote all the songs. He recorded everything, mixed everything himself, and edited the thing you're watching himself. This whole thing is very meta as well. So there's a lot of moments where the thing that you're watching, it will cut to him watching the thing that you were just watching. And sometimes that's done in an artful way where it's through the light of the projector and you're looking at his reaction to him watching the thing that you were just watching. And uh, I actually, I have commentary on that myself, but yeah, it was just extremely interesting to watch. You could think how entertaining could one man in a room be and turns out very. (laughs) He's such a good actor that sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah. What's real and what's not? Yeah, that was my question coming out of it is how much of this is him performing or playing a role and how much of this is maybe just him actually losing his mind because, you know, it's really hard to tell. We also forgot to say Bo was recently in Promising Young Woman as the main kind of love interest for the main character. Ryan, yeah. He was great. 
So you probably have seen him recently there because that was a Academy Award nominated for Best Picture Film. He's done bits and pieces over the years. I think he cameoed Parks of Rec or Parks and Rec one year. He, he did yeah. you know Bo had a, a show on MTV circa 2013 that was very much like a The Office or Parks and Rec style. No, it was called Zach Stone is going to be famous, and it followed him around his neighborhood. It was a fictional story. Hmm of this kid who's trying to become famous, like just out of high school so he can have a future. I watched a little bit and it's it's pretty great, but it's one of those things that just is kind of lost to time. I think you might be able to dig it out of the MTV website if you have cable. I'm sure I can find it. But everything Bo Burnham's been in has been pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah, it's great. His, his comedy is probably not going to resonate with everybody, but I think it's worth seeing. Yeah, he's very conscious and aware of the things that come out of his mouth and how he says them, which again speaks to his emotional intelligence and how he conveys an idea or thought to the audience. Anyway, I really, really loved this whole thing. I couldn't say enough good things about it. I loved every song, some more than others. What was your favorite one? I really liked the Jeff Bezos song because it was just super quick, but the emotion coming through what he was kind of doing in that moment was so funny. The sound was so good too. Like it's, yeah. These are actual yeah, they're, songs. They're catchy songs because he's using a lot of modern, popular synth wave sounds and elements. And they're really good. And <laughs> I like Jeff Bezos. And I liked my favorite one, I think, to be honest, is the one with Socko. Socko. Which is a sock puppet that he brings out on his hand. And he talks to about how the world works. The song is called How the World Works. And I, I really like that song because it really talks about capitalism and class status and the tyranny of the corporate elite, not just in the sense that he starts by talking about nature and saying how bees pollinate and squirrels spread the seeds that fall on the ground, you know, and these biological economical systems. And then he gets into the socio-economical system. Separating the worker from the means of production. Holy cow. It gets super meta because then he brings out the sock puppet to tell you how that socioeconomic system works. And then the sock puppet takes a shot at Bo, and then Bo goes, whoa, remember who's on whose hand here? Then he puts a sock puppet in its place, which is literally demonstrating the idea that the sock puppet just spoke to the audience. Yeah, The whole thing is super meta that way, and it's super funny. I also liked a lot of the stuff in between. My favorite one, I think, when he was like laying in his bed, and it's just a static shot from above, like top down. He's laying in his bed, bundled up in a sheet, and the microphone is on his pillow. And he's like, maybe allowing digital media corporations manipulate our children for profit. He's like, maybe that was a bad call. And that was just like a simple phrase, and then it cuts to the next thing. That's what the whole 90 minutes is like. It just is a song or something happens, then it cuts to something. It's him just in a room. Sometimes he's not even talking. You're watching him exist as he's trying to cope with being alone during quarantine, and then it moves on to the next scene. But the times that he does talk, one of my other favorite parts is when he brings out a clock. You don't know why he's sitting next to a clock. And then... He says, I wanted to finish the special before I turned 30. It was 11.58. And he's like, I'm going to turn 30 in less than two minutes. And he's like, so I'm just going to sit here and you're going to watch me turn 30. He's like, I can't believe that I'm turning 30 alone in a dark room while the world is in its current state. 
you know, because he would have rather been with friends or loved ones having fun and at least having a drink or something. And you watch him kind of try to swallow the fact that this is the situation that he's in, you know, in this monumental moment of your life that of what it means to turn 30. It's a big deal. So the clock hits midnight. And then a synth starts immediately as that happens, which cues the next song before it actually cuts the next song. And then you see him and he's sort of just like, yay. (laughs) In that exact tone of voice. Sarcastic or sarcastic. Yay. But I, yeah, I really liked those moments a lot. I could watch him, like you said, not say anything and just sort of all the BTS where they show him just operating his cameras and lighting equipment i could just watch him do that he's he's such you say they but it's him showing himself that right it's it's, yeah yeah yeah. yep it's (laughs) it's him recording himself that's right his own bts yeah i could just watch him do that he's visually a very interesting person just to yeah another aspect to this whole thing is he you watch him age because he doesn't cut his hair the whole time so he starts with like a short beard and some slightly longer hair and it just gets insanely long and his beard gets insanely big and he looks like a crazy person by the end. In fact, by the time he actually, by the very, very end, I think he cuts his hair again. He looks like a different person. Like, yeah, it looks like this year actually physically took a toll on him. And my commentary that I was going to talk about before is I think Bo's the type of person, there are a lot of moments where he films himself watching himself, or even at one point he projects an earlier video of himself onto his shirt, so like on himself. That was it, where he was talking about suicide. Suicide, yeah. That shit was so good. It happens a lot, but particularly the moments where he's watching playback of the video that you just watched or commentating on something that you just watched, it's always him viewing himself and the moments where he's watching himself on the projector and it's a very kind of a tight shot to give, I think that kind of dramatic feel like you're supposed to feel very introspective or kind of understand what Bo's going through in that moment. You really kind of get the sense that he's judging himself very harshly and that he's viewing his work as he's creating it, as he's editing it together piece by piece as he's making it and then judging himself from an earlier state. The first time you see it is when he's judging himself from when he was younger, I think, like about 16, 17. That was his first YouTube video, I think. Yeah. And that theme of him kind of viewing himself when he was younger plays out throughout this whole special. And that really resonated with me a lot because I think we all do that as human beings. We always look at things that we've done. We look back at our lives and ourselves and we we're very harsh judges and critics of ourselves more than anyone else. And some people, it becomes something, you know, a lot larger where it becomes a problem to the point of where you're so critical, so judgmental about your own self that it shapes the future or the possibility of the things that you could create in the future because you're constantly judging yourself and criticizing yourself. Anyway, I think that was kind of, it was never said explicitly, but very heavily implied. And I think that's part of Bo as a creator, as a, as an artist is that he's very critical and judgmental of himself. I think that was kind of his way of showing the audience that. What about that last shot? where he's uh, playing back his Truman Show <laughs> ending, the very last couple of frames, you see him start to smile. 
like it's this hopeful send-off. What did you take away from that? I interpreted that in the same way that earlier when he did talk about suicide and he stopped and said, look, I'm not actually going to commit suicide, just so you know. I think that slight kind of hopeful smile is his way of remaining hopeful. That was kind of evident throughout the whole thing was that no matter what's happening, no matter how dark he goes and the things that he's speaking about, he's not actually going to kill himself. And I think in the end, he's the kind of person that is trying to be positive, even though it might be difficult for him. That's kind of how I interpreted it. Well, I hope he's doing well now because the pandemic is, the lockdown is ending. (laughs) I saw a a great quote online from some commenter saying, Bo Burnham's inside is like a psychological horror through musical comedy. And I think that's a pretty apt way to describe it. I would definitely recommend people check it out. Yeah, I'm going to quote a couple critics because I just want to reinforce how amazing both Gabe and I actually think that this is. (laughs) Because if you can't tell in our words or the enthusiasm in our tone or lack of, I want you to know like this is very much worth checking out. You know, Gabe and I have been quoting it nonstop or singing it nonstop since it aired. And we both love it a lot. But uh, the NPR article said... This is a picture of what the inside of my head felt like for a year. They went on to say, There's something profound and unnerving about this piece that speaks to the careening and difficult thoughts that I think haunted a particular kind of person for well over a year. And then from The New Yorker, Bo Burnham captures with a frenzied and dexterous clarity the unmoored, wired, euphoric, listless feeling of being very online during the pandemic. Inside is a virtuosic one-man musical extravaganza and also an experimental film about cracking up via Wi-Fi connection while trying to make said one-man musical extravaganza, although in the mediated age, when genres are twisted and mashed together, characterizing it feels almost beyond the point. This is the first thing I said to Stephen, too. I said, you know, I'm somebody who's generally given to sensationalism and hyperbole, but this is probably my favorite thing that has or will ever come out of this pandemic season, because I'm sure we'll get a lot of art as a fallout or as a consequence of 2020 and what it held. Yeah. But this was something that I felt like is extremely good to watch, to put simply. And there are so few times in my life where I felt like something was made for me specifically as an individual. And I empathize with so much of this show, this piece of performance art, whatever you want to call it. I I just enjoyed it so much and I'm very happy Bo did this. So thank you, Bo, if you're listening. It really meant a lot to Gabe. It did. It meant a lot to me too. I was just But it meant a lot to Gabe. In fact, when Allie watched this with me, I don't know if I told you that, but 15, 20 minutes in, Allie goes, this is like how I imagine Gabe's life right now. Without all the musical talent, it's pretty on brand Yeah, or on point. Yeah, I mean, you said to me that every word that he said in this special was like everything that you have ever thought Yeah, into a 90-minute special. Like the little piece of stand-up he did on social media and everybody saying everything all the time. Oh, yeah. And he's like, can we just for like an hour yeah. just <laughs> not feel like I have to tell everybody what I'm thinking? <laughs> Every bit and song that was in there was perfect to me. Yeah. And then just to layer that with all that incredible production value that he managed to do in a 400, 500 square foot studio apartment, I'm blown away by his talent. And I hope he's 
happy with what he's made because his other specials were funny, but this is something that will go down. I don't like to use the term masterpiece ever, but I honestly felt like I was witnessing like somebody's magnum opus and he's only 30 years old. Yeah, I can only imagine the types of things he's going to create next. I'm excited to see if he continues to direct and write things. Yeah, I want to see a movie. Like have a you, see, have you seen 8th Grade? I don't think I ever actually watched it. Even though I love Bo, I, I knew sort of what that movie would hold in terms of like the level of... Cringe is a negative word, but that's essentially... like There are even parts of The Office I can't watch because I inwardly just like... Those situations they find themselves in make me curdle like milk. <laughs> and I knew 8th Grade would be an experience that is incredibly real and i didn't want to go back there to that place especially not as like all the things you know as bad as it might be for a guy for a teenage girl i can't even imagine so that's like something i couldn't do like i'll watch a horror film but i don't think i could sit through eighth grade with both eyes open (laughs) but i know it's incredibly well made and that's why i'm excited to see in the future if bo wants to do a feature film I would love to see him team up with A24 again and do do something crazy and weird. Just show me what you're made of, right? Do something that let, lets your mind just run wild with possibilities. Because that's what he was hinting at here. Even like there were moments I was like, this is like David Lynchian. Yeah. With like slightly ajar doors and light bleeding in through a single stream. And I was like, this is beautiful. Yeah, he has the ability, I think, to create something on that scale. Like if he wanted to go truly obscure artistic like to the point of where he's being auteur he definitely could do that like tomorrow if you wanted to he's like i want to make this thing but it's just a matter of if that's interesting to him you know yeah because he has that ability he's totally capable of that anywho that was our reaction to (laughs) bo burnham's inside on netflix yeah check it out check a look it's all the rage right now people are talking It'll rattle around in your brain for a while. Just check it out. Uh, Here's a song from (laughs) Bo Burnham's Inside. Jeff Bezos. (laughs) 